<laughs> Did that get your heart going a little bit? That was like a little intense at the end, but you know what I found myself when I watched that earlier this week? At the beginning, I'm like, come on, get going. It's like, I don't know if you've noticed, if you go back and watch movies from the 70s and 80s, they are so slow moving, aren't they? It's like, who wrote this stuff? They didn't write much, you know, because we're so used to like action, 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 action. But that is the digital age we live in. It has changed our world. Our world is completely different from what it was if you're my age, and I'm like 22 years old. From my age, um, the world is just different. If you go back, so I'm 44 years old, and I will just tell you, I remember rotary phones. My grandma had a rotary phone in her house for years growing up. Um, anybody remember 8-track players? You guys remember those? Yeah, like, ooh, those were the best. No, they weren't. Um, uh, you know, VHS tapes. Like, you guys remember having a stack of VHS tapes. Now you need special equipment to play those. Um, cassette tapes. Um, you remember back in the day when you got a new girlfriend or boyfriend, you go, hey, I made you a mixtape. Like, that was your thing, right? You're like, hey, you know, I spent hours putting this mixtape together for you. Um, it's like, we did that. I remember before Al Gore invented the internet. I remember that way back in the day. Uh, I remember my first email. I remember the first email I ever sent, and I was so confused because I couldn't understand how it didn't cost anything. I'm like, so wait, I can just email it, and they get it, and they email us back, and like, that, that's a thing? And they're like, yeah, try it. You know, it was at my college. And so I, I did that. I, I remember arguing with people about where the internet actually was because I was like, well, where is it? And they're like, well, it's just out there. I'm like, how can it just be out there? It's got to be somewhere. You know, and like, we argue about that as this is coming online. Now, we can't live without this stuff. I'm just telling you, you can't function in today's day and age without jumping into this stuff. We have instant news, instant purchasing, instant information, instant sermons. You don't even need to understand anything anymore to argue. You can get in an argument about stuff that you've never heard of and argue about it. And instead of arguing and like going for a half hour and being upset, you can just go, oh yeah, well, let's figure it out. And you just type it in and argument over. We can't even argue anymore, you know, like we used to. It's changed everything. And so here's the deal. Today, have you ever stopped? And just thought about how different our lives are because of the digital age we live in. And I'm talking the last 10, 12 years. Do you know the smartphone, the iPhone, came out in 2007? How different our lives are 10 years later. And I'll just tell you this thing. If we're not careful, it will control our life. And I think for many of us, it does control our life. And so um, because of the addictive qualities of, of social media and smartphones and digital devices, we have a little test that we're going to take uh, to see if you're addicted. Okay, this is an addiction test. Um, and so you have to be honest because you're in church, right? You can't lie in church. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to keep track of the number of yeses you answer to the questions I'm about to ask. And you just keep a running total in your mind. And then we're going we're gonna to all uh, confess. We're going to have a group confessional um, at the end of this test. So here is the first question. I want you to answer yes. And remember this. Just use your finger, thumb, whatever. Keep track. Um, answer yes if a loved one have told you, uh, has told you that you have a problem with your phone or your device. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. I, I just saw both your kids go, mm, you know, it's like they just like looking at you. All right, so that's a yes, bro. Yes. Um, number two, um, answer yes if you regularly do email, text, or check social media while you're on the toilet, okay? That's number two. Answer honestly. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm like this. Okay. Um, uh, answer yes if you can't go five minutes without checking Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook. Like every five minutes if you're like kind of out of it. Um, answer yes if you regularly text while driving. 
Answer honestly. Answer yes if you regularly text while driving. Um, answer yes if you just lied about the last question. Okay, answer yes. <laughs> um, answer yes if when your phone buzzes, your heart rate elevates until you check it out and make sure that it's not something that you need to attend to. Just if your heart rate just raises and you're kind of like waiting to get to it. Um, answer yes if you have ever had a phantom buzz on one of your legs wherever you keep your pocket when your phone wasn't there but it felt like it was going off. Okay, answer yes. Um, answer, answer yes if, if you uh, never ever turn your phone off, not even for five minutes. If it is always on and when it dies, it's as soon as you can plug it in, get it back up in case you miss something. Um, answer yes. Answer yes if you have ever checked your phone, email, text, or whatnot while your significant other was sharing their heart with you. Um, have you ever done that? Oh yes, you've done that. Um, answer yes if there is an indentation in your clothes where you usually carry your device, um, if you could tell where, where it goes. Um, answer yes if at every event in your life you pull out your phone to take pictures of it rather than enjoying the event. Um, answer yes if you've ever pulled your phone out to check an email, text, or it's gone off and you had to get attend to something while you're eating dinner with your family at home. Um, and then the last one, answer yes if when your little kids pretend to be you, they walk around going, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> All right, so now, confession time, all right? This is like confessional, group confessional time. Um, I am not a priest, but for the next 30 seconds, I'll be one, okay? I'll play one on TV. Um, so here you go. If you answered yes to four or more of those questions, I want you to raise your hand. Four or more. Oh yeah, see now we're talking. All right, welcome to the club. You're addicted. You're addicted. I'm, I'm addicted. Um, it, it really is one of those things where you're forgiven. You're forgiven, okay? You're forgiven. Um, uh, 20 bucks in the offering later, you're good. I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. Um, but, but here's the thing. We got to talk about this. Because it has invaded every part of our life in ways that we don't even realize we are being robbed of life. By the way, the digital revolution has invaded every single waking moment. Technology has brought phenomena into our life that we've never had. Our work meetings are different, right? Have you ever been in a work meeting and you just see the tops of people's heads? Because you're doing this and you're like, oh, I didn't know they were going bald. Like, you ever done that? Um, how we experience real life events is completely different. We don't experience reality like we used to. Why? Because we experience them kind of like this. I don't know if you've seen, uh, seen this, but that's concerts now. You've been to a concert lately? That's what you see. You sometimes can't see the stage because everyone's got their device up or you're the person up there on your device. You say, well, I want to get over them, right? Like that's what's going on. Very few people experience reality anymore. We don't live in the moment anymore. So we take pictures of the moment so that we can go and share what we missed later with other people. And what's really interesting, um, scientists are now studying our brains because of this. And it is beginning to change the way our brains are wired and function. One change is called photo-taking impairment effect. I'm not making this up. Photo-taking impairment effect, which is when people have a hard time remembering something because they took so many photos of it. Because what we do is we just tell our brain, hey, sit this event out. We'll take pictures and we'll remember it later. And don't tell me you haven't done that. We've done it. Rather than experience the moment, we'll be busy taking pictures and then later we'll come back to it. And so we're telling our brains, hey, don't worry. Just take some time off. And while the technology age we live in is it's incredible, we're not, well, this is not a war or an assault on devices because I don't think they're in and of themselves bad at all. 
but how we use them has begun to present problems in our lives. And the first problem, there's four problems I want to just kind of lay out for you. The very first one is that we're really addicted to our digital devices. And um, it's for good reason. Much of the social media that we all are a part of is designed to create addicts. Now, what do I mean by that? Sean Parker, one of the early investors of Facebook, he's the Napster founder. If you remember back in the day when Napster came out, um, he says, Mark Zuckerberg knowingly created a monster with addictive social media. He was speaking at an event where he pulled back the curtain um, on Facebook's early days, and he says, we designed it to consume people. All of the sharing and liking were used like a drug to get people hooked on checking Facebook nonstop. And he said their earliest mission, this is behind the curtains of Facebook, their earliest mission, they were, they were um, on mission to answer this question, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? That was their mission as an organization. And so Parker says, God only knows what it's doing to our children's brains. Now we're studying and finding out. USA Today article this week, which is crazy, you know, the timing of some of these things. This week, um, I'm going to quote it. Ex-employees of Google, Apple, and Facebook are raising red flags about the very tech they created and revealing how it is engineered to grab your attention, keep you hooked, and make you crave more. It's like, they're like, hey, Kensington is in a Crave series. Let's write this article. It's like, no, it's designed to make you crave more. Now, let me give you some of the stats. 27% of adults actually admit to being addicted to this. The interesting thing about addictions is, is you rarely realize you're addicted until it's too late. Um, when you talk to teenagers, 50% of teenagers will admit to being addicted to their phones. They can't go without it. And I'll just say this. If you're in high school and you've never been to Edge, it's our high school ministry, meets on Wednesday nights. I'm actually going to be speaking this Wednesday at Edge, and we're going to be doing part two of this talk. Um, there at Ed. So if you've never been and you're in high school, come out Wednesday night and get information in your program or at Starting Point. Um, and we'll, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to meet you, but also get you connected to this crazy cool ministry that's going on. It's growing like crazy. So that is Edge Wednesday night. So let me give you some more stats. 40% of people admit to checking their phones while on the toilet, which I think means 60% of people are liars and 100% of people should never touch another person's phone, okay? That's what I think. Um, this thing, 70%, um, uh, it's in my pocket, 70% of families that have teenagers in them say that it has caused discord in the family. I have two teenagers in my house right now. I would say 23% of families are lying because it is like constant that it's, it, there's an argument over this thing right here with them. Um, on average, we check our devices 110 to 150 times a day. Um, there was actually on record when they did this study, um, it was recorded one person, probably a teenager, checked it 900 times in a single day. Um, uh, just this week, a new study published, the journal Emotion, says there's a correlation between teenagers' happiness and how much time they're on their phone. And they say it's a good thing up to an hour. They say anything over an hour and it starts going downhill because it starts taking life from you. Um, the average American, this blew me away, but as I started thinking about my life, um, average American spends 12 hours consuming digital media every day, eight of those for personal use. And I know you're going, man, no, no, I don't think that's true. Think about your life. Process through a day. And I'm just going, man, I, I think I'm, I'm close. And now... Due to our continued increase in use of digital technology, the National Center for Biotechnology Information, they say the attention span of the average human is now down from 12 seconds in 2000 to 8 seconds in 2017, which is a second less than a goldfish, okay? We're second less than a goldfish. So congratulations to us. We're addicted and it's changing the way 
we live our lives because we have digital habits that have begun to invade every part of our life. Second thing that's caused a problem, our digital habits distract us from real human relationships. They're distracting. I've taken my wife out to dinner and I have made her sit and wait at the dinner table on a date night while I got to a text, an email, or something that came up. And I'm just like, hold on just a second, minute, two minutes, just silence. We're, we're supposed to be out interacting. So, oh, I got something. When Billy Graham, he's one of the great evangelists of our time, he, um, when he used to speak, um, he would preach about four universal human longings that every person struggles with. And he said it's, it's loneliness, emptiness, guilt, and fear of death. Those are the four longings that each of us have in our heart. Uh, loneliness, emptiness, guilt, fear of death. And when it comes to loneliness and emptiness, there's now a term called Facebook depression. Clinical term. And then we're like, really? Yeah. And I'll call it social media depression because it's on all platforms, but it happens when we compare our lives to the virtual lives of other people. See, our friends who are doing something exciting, um, they're posting photos of it, and it's all awesome looking and everything, and we're sitting at home on our device on the toilet, um, and like they're living life, right? Like that's, that's the way it goes. And so when that happens, um, it leaves us envious, discontent with our life. It leads to actual depression. We actually get real depression over something that's not real. Now, what's not real about what you see online? Do you realize that when you look at someone's Facebook page or social media pictures, that's not their real life? They are posting the most fun, most exciting, most beautiful, most successful, and most interesting pictures of their life. That's all you put on there. You don't put the other stuff on there. So when you go online and you start comparing your normal life, to the best pictures of everyone else, the most fun, most exciting, most interesting, the most successful things they have going on in their life, how can you not be depressed? Because it doesn't match up. Your real life doesn't match up to their fake life that they're putting online, which ends up in real depression. Article I read this week says researchers have found um, that the more time women spend on Facebook, the more fixated they become on their own appearances, especially after viewing someone else's photos. Tell me that's not true. Facebook is clinically linked to increased levels of relationship jealousy, narcissism, poor eating habits, and credit card debt due to an inflated sense of self which drives people to make really reckless decisions. And I will just tell you, um, in thinking about my life, our digital habits distract us from human relationships, but it's worse than that. Our digital habits actually have become um, a substitute for real human relationships because we have this false sense of connection. Forbes magazine published an article, they said, hey, uh, this is how, how social media is sabotaging real communication. So studies show that only 7% of communication is based on verbal, 93% of communication is based on nonverbal body language, and they said this, it's only when we can hear a tone of voice or look into somebody's eyes that we are able to discern whether I'm fine really means I'm fine. Only when we can look at somebody in their eyes and read their body language can we really know if when somebody says I'm in, they're really all in. That's just the reality of it. So it substituted us getting together. Um, and this is where uh, in technology, anybody can hide behind a text. Anybody can hide behind an email, a Facebook post, or a tweet, um, projecting any image that we want to project. And we can create an illusion of our choosing. And we do it, right? I've done it. I have taken 15 pictures to get just the right one to put online so that I look pretty, right? I mean, you're thinking like, gosh, it should only take one with you. You know, so that's like 15. And so here's what happens with our lives. While we have this idea that social media makes us more connected, we're actually more disconnected than we've ever been. 
and it impacts us every single day. And I'll just tell you um, how it's a substitute for real relationships. A few months back, I asked my son Gary, he's 15, if I could share this story. A few months back, he's taken an online course and he needs to actually talk to the teacher um, for this particular class. And so um, he calls her and he doesn't say hello, doesn't introduce himself. He's like, yeah, I need to talk to you about da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And they start having this conversation. And then at the end, he, he talks to her about it and they hash it out. And he says, okay, hangs up. And I'm sitting there beside him, listening to the whole thing. I'm like, Garrett, what was that? He's like, what? I said, you didn't say hello. You didn't introduce yourself. You didn't say thank you. And you never said goodbye. And in just a moment of clarity for him, you know, he just looks at me. He's like, wow. He's like, you're right. I, I guess I, I just, just don't really talk to people that much, especially on my phone. And what's he just saying? I'm unpracticed. And how to actually have conversation and social interactions with real people. Why? Because he's so busy, like all other teenagers and a lot of us, sending texts, sending pictures through Snapchat, um, jumping on social media platforms and just posting stuff. Like that's how they communicate with each other. So it's changing. It's becoming a substitute for real relationships. And there's one last problem I'll bring up before we start talking solution. And that is this. Um, why do we do this? Digital life is often easier than real life. It just is. It is uh, real intimacy is so much harder than digital intimacy. It, it's just easier to be vulnerable in an email or a text. Um, it's easier to voice our displeasure with a friend or, or somebody that we're in relationship with um, over email or text than it is to tell them face-to-face. -face. It's easier to tell somebody bad news on a device than in, purpose, in, in person. We can actually hide out in the open. It's easier to browse um, the web than it is to pray or spend time with God or let somebody know where we're struggling. It's easier to find a new relationship on Facebook rather than work on the one that you have that's a little bit difficult. That's why Facebook is one of the top, uh, top reasons that people say they're getting a divorce. It's, it's online, social media, Facebook stuff. It's because affairs have started because rather than deal with the relationship I have, it's easier to go be somebody else online. So the question is, how do we deal with it? Um, how do we navigate life in a digital age like this so that we can have what Jesus says he came to give us, and that is life to the full. And so here's the big idea, and that is this. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. And so let me put this in my hand because a lot of us live this way. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. If in your hand is a digital device of some kind, what's in front of you is more important um, and what does that mean? There's nothing wrong with this device. Um, we're not going to war against it. But um, we need to point to a better way of living that honors God and honors each other in a way that gives us the kind of life that we dream of having. Because this is not providing it. This is actually robbing us of real human connection and communication with God. And so what do we do? We look two ways. So if we're looking at this, we're going to look two ways. The first way we look is we look up. If you want to know what step one is from getting away from this being your addiction, you look up. Um, we've become a generation, including us old people um, and older than me people, um, we've become a generation that looks down all the time. We look down. We show the top of our heads to people a lot. So what's step one is, is, is look up. The world is happening all around us. And if you're like this, you're going to miss it. But if you look up, you're going to at least experience, uh, experience life a little differently. And the first place we need to look is literally look up to Jesus. See, Jesus said the most important thing we'll ever do in Mark 12. He said of all the commandments, uh, he was asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Someone going, okay, Jesus, God in the flesh, creator of, of mankind, giver of life, um, what's the most important thing for us to do? What's the number one uh, commandment? And Jesus says the most important one 
is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Be in relationship with God. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, there's no commandments greater than these. He's saying, look, if there's two things you do in this life, two things you get right in this life, you look up and you connect and love God with everything you have, and you look up and you connect with people around you that God has brought into your life. First to God, first to others. Jesus said he came to earth so that we can experience life to the full, John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Satan's purpose for your life. But Jesus is saying, my purpose is to give them, which is us, a rich and satisfying life. And Jesus is talking about Satan, his mission for you. And while the phones and devices aren't the enemy, Satan has gotten in there and really distracted us. And he's stealing our joy by making us Facebook depressed because we're looking at everybody's amazing lives. He's killing our intimacy with our digital devices by making them hollow so that we never actually look anybody in the eye and go eye to eye, knee to knee, and heart to heart with anybody. And he's destroying our relationships by making them this deep while expanding them to beyond proportions of I'm amazing because I have 1,900 Facebook friends. I'm pretty much a big deal. But you know what? 99.9% of the people I'm this deep with most important thing in life is not a thing. It's actually a person. It's Jesus Christ. Hands down, it's Jesus. And secondly, it's people. So what's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. The problem is, is we settle for good instead of great. We settle, we settle for good communication rather than great communication. We settle for a text conversation instead of face-to-face. -face. We st settle for an Instagram photo instead of telling the story um, when we're with people. We, st we settle for pictures instead of memories. And from every study and research I've found in this area, the rich and satisfying life that Jesus is calling us to requires us to look up away from our devices to God and to people, which gets me to the second step, and that is this. It's look away. It's look away. How do we push back against the onslaught of the digital age and our relationships? Um, we follow Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, and not as unwise, but as wise. Add some wisdom to your life. See what's happening around you and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I believe what Paul is saying here is like, guess what? Um, after today's gone, it's gone. You never get it back. Make the most of every opportunity. If you want to unplug from a live event to take pictures of it so you can remember it later, that moment is over as soon as it's over. So make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the, the Lord's um, will is. His will is, is that we would le live wise lives, understanding what's going on, and look up and look, uh, look across the person and look away from our digital devices now, let me give you some practical ways, okay? Now, we're going to have an interactive moment. Like, we're going to con com communicate here, okay? No digital devices between us. I want you to say with me, I want you to see it, say D-D-W-W-A-A. I'm going to teach you really quickly, what do you do about this? What are some practical steps to unplugging? D-D-A-A, um, wait, what did I say? D-D-W-W-A-A. Okay, you guys ready with me? Say it out loud. D-D-W-W-A-A. One more time, a little bit louder. D-D. W-W-A-A. What does that stand for? The D-D stands for this. It stands for this. D stands. It stands for this. Um, divert daily. Divert daily. Each day pull away from your digital device for at least one hour while you're awake. <laughs> Sleeping doesn't count. Divert daily. I read an article um, in USA Today. Young woman, 16 years old. She decided that her phone was ruling her life. So she made it a point every day when she gets home from track, she walks in the house, puts her phone on Do Not Disturb, puts it in a basket by the front door and doesn't go get it for the rest of the evening. 
She does it every day. And this is what she says about her life. She, this is her quoting a 16-year-old. She says, she says, it's helped me concentrate on my homework more, focus on what I need to get done every night, and best of all, it's reclaimed more of my precious time. And I'm like, preach it, sister. That's what I'm thinking. And for you, maybe DD needs to be a digital free zone in your home, a basket to put your phone in. You don't touch it for hours. Um, Melissa and I are really processing through it this week. I feel like this is one of the areas where God's like, you've got to figure this out. We don't have, we're not real um, uh, specific on the way digital devices work in our house. Basically, it's like this. Um, when the kids are on them too long and I notice it, I'm like, get off your devices. And they're like, I just got on. I'm like, I don't care. Everybody use your device. I'm get rid of them. You know, that's like, that's how we do it, okay? Just a little insight into our home. I, I don't know if I sound like that to them, I probably do. Um, but we've done a really poor job of managing and helping our family manage this, divert daily. Um, withdraw weekly, once a week, put away your phone for most of the day. There is a family in our church that on Sundays, it's their digital uh, device free day where they don't mess with their digital devices. They're just put away for an entire day. I envy them and I'm like, yeah, we need to do that. I just never have. But it's like, it's frustrating when I'm trying to get a hold of them that day. But it's like, hey, it's okay, man. It's like they're valuing family. And then abandon annually. You want to be totally stark raving mad, go for a week, a year, and turn off your device and don't check it for a week. Um, I think what will happen is your life will change if you do all three of those to the point where when you unplug from your device, you have time to plug into God and other people. And so here's what I want to do. Um, I want to show you a video um, of a young girl telling her story. She's 20 years old. Her name is Madison. And, and she just talks about her experience with her device and kind of her journey to getting to the point where she was able to unplug from her device and plug into God and how all that happened. I want you to hear it um, in her story. Um, and while we do that, before we do, we're going to do our um, offering. So you guys can go ahead and come forward, ushers. Um, for those of you um, that are here visiting, let the basket go by. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. For those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to him from what he's blessed us with. And I want to thank you for being a part of our mission and our journey. And then while we're doing that, let's hear from Madison. I grew up in a Christian home. As I got older and kind of headed into high school, swimming upstream kind of gets tiring and that affected relationships with my parents. I was disrespectful, fighting with them a lot, disconnected with my siblings, wasn't spending time with them and typically we're the five amigos and really good friends and I was kind of not part of that anymore. I played volleyball all four years of high school and I was looking to play in college. It was a four-day tournament my junior year, and I did something to my back, and I tweaked it. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're done. It's over. And that was a crushing moment for me, just to know that I couldn't play the sport I loved anymore. I was angry with God. I think I found a lot of my identity through that. I used social media as a crutch for that feeling of, that was worth something and I found my worth in that. Because I was fighting with my parents and didn't feel connected with my siblings, time on my phone was a lot. Social media became a big part. It was kind of my escape at home for sure and even within school. I spent countless hours on Instagram, Snapchatting different people, Facebook, you name it, I was on it and I was doing it a lot. 
having people like your picture or talking to them, people telling you that you're so pretty, um, felt good. And it was what I wanted to hear. So I used that as an escape to get validation from the world. As I was feeling lost and making poor decisions, one of my poor decisions was I got drunk at a Friday night football game in high school. And at the game, one of the teachers took notice. Um, that teacher did know who my parents were and he did tell them what had happened that night. My parents confronted me about it that night that they found out and I denied everything. I said, there's no way, I wasn't drunk. He saw me drinking water. Based on how I was acting and everything else going on in life, they knew that something was wrong and they knew that I was lying in that moment. My parents are not the type of parents that ground someone for two weeks and tell them to do better. Um, the moment that they found out my life was pretty much over. My phone was gone for all of senior year. Being 18, it was the end of the world. I could no longer escape into that world. I could no longer keep in touch with all my friends on Snapchat. I could no longer be told that I'm really pretty on social media. It was, I was detached. A couple days after I was grounded, um, I was still pretty angry and I came home from school and kind of got into another fight about it with my parents and even was more mad. And one of the things I do when I'm mad is I like to drive. And so that night I did ask my parents, can I just go for a drive? And they did allow me to do that. And as I was driving, my mom always had on the Christian radio station and I was listening to that and a song came on and it was talking about how God just wants you to come home and about his grace and his love. And immediately I was just overwhelmed and I pulled over and just sobbed and just was my moment of being brought to my knees. And that was the moment that my life was forever changed. And that was my full surrender to God and kind of letting him take control of my life. The weeks following that moment with Jesus looked different. It was a time that I felt God's unconditional love and his grace and I felt forgiven. And I felt like he was just embracing me and just whispering, welcome back. He was saying, welcome back to reality. Welcome back to what's going on around you. He was telling me that what's in front of me is what mattered. It was my siblings, it was my parents, and it was relationship with him. It was spending time with him. I had goals for myself that I wanted to finish at least the New Testament um, before I left for college. I looked forward to getting that time with him and learning more about Jesus and who he is and answering the question of why do I follow him? Why did I surrender my life to him? I have fallen completely in love with Jesus and I have learned that my validation and my worthiness come from him. It does not come from social media, but it really comes from the word and what Jesus is saying about me and how he sees me and who I am to him. What's in front of you is more important than what's in your hand. You know where we got that line from? From a 20-year-old girl named Madison who just shared with you her story. 
And by the way, did you, did you see what Mike and Linda did? I know her parents well. Did you see what they did? <laughs> they, they actually took her phone away her entire senior year. I know a lot of parents aren't willing to go that far, but look at the result. When she was forced to unplug from her device, who did she plug into? Jesus. Why? Because she had room in her life for him. She plugged into her family. Why? Because she had room in her life for them. And so this um, leads us to the end of our series. Um, and this is where, for many of you, I've been praying for you the last four weeks that today would be a line in the sand moment for your life, that today would be a day where you experience change. Um, you know, it's like I love how Madison said it. She says, that was the day that my life changed forever. And days like this are days that change us. And we've asked you from the beginning of the series to bring a token um, on this day that really represents something in your life that you can't say no to, but that you feel like God is asking you to say no to it because it's gotten in your relationship. It's messed with your relationships with each other and with him. Um, it's, it's something that's destructive in your life. Um, you know, it, it can be uh, a, literally a bottle of alcohol. It could be cigarettes. It could be clothes that you wear for approval. That was week one we talked about. Um, it could be a dollar bill with a money addiction or poker chips or, or drugs or credit cards that you struggle with. Or, or, you know, for me, I'll just tell you this is mine. I've been really processing through what, what is my token. And it's this. This is just a phone case. I feel like I've done a terrible job with my family of managing how we manage our digital devices. I really have. Like, I, I, I'm just sitting here going, I'm just confessing and saying this is what this represents is that from here forward, Melissa and I are going to handle this part of our lives and our family's lives differently. Me as the leader and head of our household, um, I, I don't want to be silent on it anymore or just let it happen however it happens and, and kind of be swayed by the emotion of the day. And so, so this is my... This is my token. Now, what we've done, because I know not everybody is ready to do this or brought something, because maybe um, it, you weren't interested in bringing what really it needs to be. And so on your seat, when you sat down, you were given a three by five card. Um, and, and this is really a moment to grab that card. And if you need a pen, if you don't have a pen, raise your hand. Our ushers will bring um, some pens here. Just slip your hand up and they'll give it to you. But if you don't have something to put on the stage, I want you to write something on that card and just something that you're saying today is my no more day. Today is the day that I draw a line in the sand and I say, you know what? Um, I'm not going any further with this in my life, robbing me from my life, whatever that is that you crave, that you can't say no to. And when you do that, because I believe that there are moments like this that I remember in my life of spiritual growth where I did get up and I walked forward. Um, when you do that, you're saying something. You're saying that I'm going to change. And I'll just tell you, if you don't change in the next day or two, you're going to miss the opportunity that God, I think, has put in front of us. And so when you drop your whatever it is off, I'm going to ask you to come down these rows and drop it off on the stage. As you walk out on the corners of each stage, there are these um, first day chips. And these are from Celebrate Recovery. And basically this says, today is my first day. This is my first day of not living the way I've lived in the past anymore, and I'm changing. And so we want to give these to you to put on your keychain or somewhere where you're going to see it because this is your first day of really changing the way that you live your life out from here forward. And so let me pray over this moment, and then I'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. Um, Lord, I thank you for bringing us to moments like this where um, they're life-changing um, 
periods of time where you just want to get a hold of us in such a way that we're never the same again. And Lord, you know what everybody's crave is. You know what everybody in this room, what they struggle the most with. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would give us a boldness in this moment to either write it down or bring our token up. And God, when we walk up to this stage and lay it down, we are giving it to you and asking for your strength. Strength to tell somebody, strength to get help, strength to, to, to change the way our schedules work. And Lord, as we walk across this stage and, and grab this first aid chip, I, I really pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would give us the strength to, what, to do what we haven't been able to do up to this point in our lives, and that is truly change from the inside out. So God, in this moment, I pray that you would fill it with your presence and that you would begin the work in us that is required to become more like you and to look up and look away from our digital devices and whatever else we're carrying in our life that we don't need to have in there anymore. In your holy name, amen. So whenever you're ready over this next song, I want to invite you up and come drop your thing off and pick up a chip. Um, so, uh, so let's walk. <laughs>